Hello, friends. This is Event AV Enlightening Demystified, and I'm your host, Anka. Thank you for joining, and welcome to our new episode. This is the first time when I'm also recording a YouTube preview video version of the podcast, and we'll see how this goes. How are you guys? I feel like it's been forever since we last talked, and I know it's only been a month, yet somehow it feels like it's been a year. I mean, this year has already been quite a year so far, hasn't it? To say that a lot has changed in the event space over the last few months is a understatement. But there is some light at the end of the tunnel. We've already seen some great requests from clients looking to dive back in, and we're excited to see our industry come together to keep it going and keep it strong. Over the past two and a half months alone, we have served and assisted many organizations with their virtual events, especially virtual fundraising during a time when many nonprofit and for-profit organizations have feared that they will not be able to meet their annual fundraising budget goals. But by pivoting to virtual, as a matter of fact, many of these organizations have raised more than they projected or hoped that they would, some way above previous years fundraising. And the good news doesn't stop here. By going virtual, they've opened up to an online audience that otherwise they would have not been able to reach. An audience that could very much become a live in-person audience in the near future, right? Virtual events in one capacity or another are here to stay, and we are glad to have this opportunity to share with you our tips and experience on producing virtual events. And our hope is that more organizations would consider transitioning to virtual and we could be a fit for you and your virtual event management and production needs. So in this episode, I'm going to talk in more details about virtual events, about the type of information and content you need to consider and have prepared and ready before the date of your virtual event. We are here and ready to partner with you in transitioning your events to virtual and even beyond this post-COVID-19 era, going into hybrid events because that's coming. We are taking steps to educate ourselves on ways to make event spaces safe and compliant so that future event attendees feel safe and ready to engage again in person. Before we dive into this episode's topic, I just have to confess that I have been personally entering this month with a very heavy heart and realize once more the importance of having open and honest conversations about issues involving race and injustice. And not just because of the recent events, but because this is a topic that is relevant and essential for all of us that are interested in listening and growing to understand more, as well as the next generation for my children's sake, who are processing things as well. And if we think things are hard for us adults, how much harder and scarier could it be for them? It's easy, and I know I am guilty of it too, to just shy away from having hard but honest conversations because most of the times I don't feel well equipped and I'm worried I'll say the wrong thing and I don't have all the right words or the right answer. 
However, like many other parents and small business owners, the recent events have caused me to recognize that being uncomfortable and nervous about not having the right words or the right answers, especially for my own children's sake when engaging in this type of conversations, is really unacceptable. Parenting involves hard but very important conversations all the time, and this is no different. We need to have constant conversations about empathy, kindness, and injustice. Conversations that dive deeper into how each one of us is here for a reason, how we respect and accept every color of skin, and how ultimately we are called to love one another regardless of the skin color. I want my coworkers, partners, and vendors and clients to feel open to have this type of conversations with me. And I want my family and my children to be equipped to have these conversations with even their kids in the future. I mean, change that happens in our hearts is going to start at home. And if you're a parent or a small business owner or a business owner, this is your responsibility too. By no means am I an expert or were experts in this, and I humbly apologize in advance if just the mention of the recent events has offended you in any way. I just felt that not saying anything at all would be equal with pretending that this never happened, that it's not important, or minimize its importance by staying silent. I like to highlight a quote by Candice Wynn that says, If we want to raise up a new generation of leaders who establish a new world norm, ignoring conversations of race, racism, injustice, and inequality within the home are not privileges any of us are granted. Before we dive into this episode's topic, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. To find more information about us, our services, our event work, what our clients have to say about us, as well as tips and tricks of the trade and how to pivot to virtual events, we'd love for you to join us at 3funevents.com, T-R-E-E-F-A-N events.com. I also welcome your feedback and suggestions via direct messaging on social media or email at podcast at 3funevents.com. I'm sure by now, if you're working in events, you're convinced that it's more important than ever to keep fundraising. Extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures, and fundraising is no exception. Many virtual events are changing their dates from fall to summer dates because For a virtual fundraiser, an earlier date is always a better date, and this summer is already shaping to be prime time for many fundraisers, and you can't miss this opportunity to meet your annual budget if you're a nonprofit. One of the many reasons why this summer is prime time for virtual fundraising is because the fall is already packed with events due to postponements, and if you've done just a bit of homework and called around, you've already encountered this reality. We also don't know for sure the financial capacity of donors and supporters come the fall season given our current economy state. As many have already stated now, all the fundraising seasonal rules are not that relevant right now. What's relevant is how fast can you take action to protect your organization. In the show notes, I will post a link to a few more reasons why hosting a virtual fundraiser this summer is key to continuing offering essential services, keeping location sites open, and employees on payroll. 
the virtual galas we've planned and executed have all been even more successful than we could have hoped for. So successful, in fact, we suspect that even when we will be safely able to gather in large groups again, not everyone will want to, and that's just a small testament to how effective virtual events truly are. But that's not all. It's a safe bet that for some people, big crowds aren't going to hold the same appeal they once did, at least not for a long time, and so hybrid events will be the way to go, which is basically a smaller in-person event that also has a virtual live stream element to it so that people that can't wait to get together, hello extroverts, can do so again in person while the introverts will be able to join from the comfort of their home. In-person guests will experience the live program together as they normally would, and the people at home will watch a virtual version of the event along with a live feed from the comfort of their couch. The live event elements that don't translate well to a virtual online audience would not be included in the virtual event livecast. You'd have a separate MC or host for the live guest to host the pre and post virtual event program with pre recorded elements that are focused, captivating, and engaging to an online audience. The possibilities here are endless, and we're only getting started imagining what this new breed of events could be and look like. We most likely will have an entire episode on hybrid event options in the future. In the meantime, let's get back to this episode's topic, the elements and details of a successful virtual event. After having had many recent conversations regarding transitioning to virtual events, we've realized that among most prospects, there is a common misconception that a virtual event doesn't require as much rigorous planning as an offline event, and as a result, many organizations do not budget enough time to get all the content and components together. For those looking to run a top-tier virtual event, I'm planning to share in the next few minutes a few helpful tips and tools to ensure your event is a success. This tool I'm referencing is also called the RFP template that I made available to download from our website for free. And if you have not downloaded yet, I will make sure to include the link in the show notes as well. The first thing you're going to want to share with your prospective virtual event producer is the name and date for your event. I mean, this is basic information, but you would be surprised. Your contact information should be included in this block of information as well as a way for anyone to get back to you with any further questions they might have about your event. The earliest you have a date dialed in, the better, not just for your event and your fundraising goals, but also for your prospected producer and production company, which are getting bombarded right now with virtual event requests, and most production houses can manage two, three a day if you're keen about quality, which typically includes extensive run-throughs and rehearsals before each one of those three events in a day. And I'd be a little bit skeptical of anyone running more than that due to quality concerns, virtual fatigue, and just tiredness in general. We are working with people, and people do perform best when not tired and overworked. Time of event is also important to share for the reason mentioned above. But say a producer is considering or has already booked another event that day, the timing of your event might play an important role in them being able to produce or not your event. 
Being flexible here is also key. In the good old days when events were tied to a venue and rigid time frame, moving your event up an hour or later would have been impossible. In the new age of virtual events, it's much easier to make slight adjustments to your event time and date. Many organizations don't even schedule virtual fundraising events during the weekend these days because they know that most people would be spending their weekend away from their home office, their computer and devices, especially now that more and more than ever people are working from home and getting away from home and work uh, has become more of a necessity after five long days of staring at your computer screen. And the last thing many of us want is to do the same during the weekend. Ultimately, you can even ask your audience for time and date suggestions and go with the one when most people will be available. Another thing you should take into consideration is the number of overseas followers and whether the time difference will work for them. For virtual events, we're also talking in terms of push feed time and program start time. The push feed time is the time would be starting the pre-event role approximately 15 minutes before the actual program time. The pre-event role would include organizational slides, videos, instruction slides to the bidding platform, or login information for the event if pre-registration is required. This type of details would be reiterated during the beginning of the program by your host just to make sure everyone that wants to join and donate is able and set up to do so. Many online bidding platforms include options to send a text message to all your registered attendees with a reminder about an hour before the event going live with registration details and the online bidding link. For the duration of your fundraising virtual event, we recommend no longer than an hour. 30 to 45 minutes is the sweet spot to captivate an online audience. Data collected from virtual events already produced shows how the audience drastically drops after 50-60 minutes and understandably so. Let's not forget how our attention span these days, according to some science research, is that of a goldfish. Very encouraging indeed. If the pre-event role is of about 15 minutes, the post-event is of about 5-10 minutes and this time is greatly used for thanking your audience, donors, sponsors, also mentioning how long the bidding site might be up post-event and where and when can your audience rewatch the live stream recording or pick up their bidding items if physical actual items have been included in the live virtual auction, which probably is not the best thing to do when we're still dealing with a pandemic. Next, you need to have some sort of an idea of the type of virtual event you're looking for. The options right now are 100% virtual or in-studio where it's permitted and hybrid, most likely a future option, not so much so currently. The 100% virtual event means that nobody sees each other face-to-face, besides virtually. The live streaming production happens virtually, you're providing everything in video, slides, graphics, format, with the option of some of your speakers, presenters, benefit auctioneers, MCs, hosts, to call in via Zoom, Google Meet, or Microsoft Teams. Their feed would be embedded in the live cast based on the detailed ROS, which is run of show, and script, which you've provided to your tech crew, or if you haven't provided to your tech crew, you need to get someone to write a really detailed script and provide it to your tech crew. 
And talking about a detailed run-off show and tax script, if you're in need of a example or a template of what a good run-off show or script could look like for your upcoming virtual event, I'd be more than happy to share them with you. Subscribe to our newsletter on our website and we'll send them your way. Next on the list is the location address if the event is on location or hybrid where permissive. We, or the prospective producer you're planning to work with, also wants to know the auction agency or benefit auctioneer you're working with. And if you don't have an auctioneer that's highly skilled at fundraising virtually, we have suggestions for you and would love to make an introduction. The live stream destination refers to the platform you'd like the live stream to take place on. Many organizations prefer to use a custom landing page, which we can customize for you with not just a streaming window with the chat, but also sponsor logos, bidding site button link, thank yous, or anything else you like to use in your marketing efforts. The link to this landing page could be easily embedded into your fundraising webpage if you already have one for your event. Many organizations don't have enough bandwidth to stream straight from their website, and this workaround has proved to be helpful for anyone that is concerned about this tiny little technical detail. Other platforms to stream to are social media platforms such as Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch, Periscope, Instagram Live, Vimeo. These services more or less offer the same basic features. It really is more a matter of personal preference. One thing to know though about streaming to your, say, YouTube live channel, you need to have at least a thousand subscribers in order to do so. Facebook live is another option, yet it can be a little bit of a headache for any web streaming engineer because of the always changing Facebook API. Vimeo has been the platform of choice for many of our virtual events and for good reasons. You can reach your audience everywhere by simultaneously streaming your live events in full HD via social media, embedded on your site, and anywhere else your audience is tuned in. And all this without any added stress on your bandwidth or on you. The streaming is also adaptive, meaning that it gives your viewers the best quality across devices, even when limited bandwidth is a problem. And when the event is over, it is auto-archived for post-event watching in up to 4K streaming quality. You also have options to be in absolute control, managing every aspect of your event seamlessly, choosing who sees your video with password protection and embedded permissions. Okay, moving on because we've got a lot to cover today. Content Cloud Location is the place you will gather all your content and share it with your producer and production company at least one or two weeks before the event date. The reason why we're asking it so early is because we want to be able to review it and if there's any issue, you still have time to redo, correct, or create new content. One week prior to the event date is also when your run of show and script deadlines are and that for similar reasons as mentioned above. Now, I am an event planner and I know how tempted it can be to keep making changes to the script up to the date, sometimes the hour before the event. In the days of live in-person events, that wasn't such a big deal, although it is very annoying for anyone behind the scenes, especially in a tech position. For a virtual event, nothing is worse than a badly crafted script, difficult to follow, along with all over the place slides and video cues. 
I can tell you from experience, it's painful producing an event that has a jumbled script. So please do yourself and all of us a favor and create a intelligible, focused and organized script and everyone will love you. I promise. The technical run through for your event most likely will happen two hours before your event program time. Now, that's not to say that maybe you shouldn't schedule some dress rehearsal times prior to your technical run through because the run through is not really a time for rehearsals. And if you need your speakers to rehearse or if they're uncomfortable with the whole studio setup, you will need to definitely schedule another time for that rehearsal one day or a few days prior to the date of your event and check with the studio if they can accommodate that, obviously. As far as we're concerned, we will do our best to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible, but speaking in front of a camera and no audience to get their cues from can be hard and it's not an easy transition for everyone. When you share your information with your prospective virtual event producer, you also want to talk about your event purpose and goals, as well as the value you hope your event will provide for your online audience. It allows us to learn more about your event, about your organization, and tie arms together virtually, of course, to raise the most money for your organization because in the end, that is the goal for many of those fundraising events, right? Or in the case of a conference, to make sure that's the most successful virtual conference anyone attended. In regards to content, and I've talked at length in one of my recent blog posts about how in the era of virtual events, content is king. You want to create content that is engaging, captivating, and also not very long. I was having a conversation with a prospective client this week, and she asked me how long her video should be. Five minutes, she asked. And I couldn't tell her fast enough to try to not do that because if we put ourselves in the shoes of an online audience, most likely two minutes into it, even the most heart-touching video, we will just want to skip ahead. So keep the videos to two, three minutes max and you won't run the danger of losing your audience. You will also want to mention uh, what type of content your event will use. Will it be slides, videos, pre-recorded, sponsor, calling in, and anything that might be relevant for your event. Also, you will want to think about who is hosting your event. You can hire a professional speaker or it can even be an in-house staff member who is comfortable enough presenting live before a remote audience. Whoever the designated person is, he or she should be able to speak clearly, respond to questions, filled through social media, introduce speakers, and so on. The host should also be comfortable looking straight into the camera and not at the script in their hands. They would also need to be able to respond at the spur of a moment to unexpected events. Keep in mind that you can also have two hosts that can speak to each other as well as to the audience. This can be really beneficial if the two hosts have a strong rapport and can respond to one another's zingers and one-liners. Another thing to consider is the location of your host. Is your host or your hosts, are they local? Will they call in? Is the host the same person with the benefit auctioneer? Although we do recommend having a separate host whenever possible. If the host is in studio broadcasted live, they will need to know the address of the studio, the time for soundtrack, and all the other video checks. They will probably want to know the type of visual cues they are able to get, if a teleprompter is available and who is manning it, and is it able to customize it to their needs and liking. Same applies to your event speaker, your presenter, or your keynote speaker. 
In some parts of the country or the event world, having more than two people in studio is not permitted yet. So this is where you'd want to either pre-record your speakers or have them call in live. We recommend pre-recording them just to make sure they stay on topic and on time. Ultimately, it's up to you how you want this element to be handled. Many entertainment elements are being pre-recorded and included in the live stream as well, or maybe all the recordings are being used if they fit the event team template and need. Many studios accommodate for recording live with social distancing in force, and this could be an option for recording locally or broadcasting the feed live into your virtual event stream. The mobile bidding platform plays a very important role for any fundraiser or virtual auction. We love working with Greater Giving, but there are many other platforms out there like GiveSmart, OneCause, School Auction, just to name a few. Regardless of the platform you're planning to use, know that the link to donate can be embedded in the live streaming page, although we would recommend the need to have two devices or two tabs open on your watching device to donate without missing the live guest. There are some that don't require this much anymore. You'd want to do some research for yourself and see what works best for your organization's needs. What we need is the link to the online bidding platform, which would be embedding in the live casting streaming page. The next point we're going to talk about is audience interaction options, gamification elements such as interactivity, polling, trivia, just to name a few. Now, I will be honest with you, not a lot of fundraisers use gamification elements, and maybe they should. I'm working with a great fundraiser currently that is incorporating some crowd control games such as Bingo, Family Feud, or even Trivial Pursuit into their feed. Many conferences have done this before because conference attendees have much higher expectations in this modern era of content on demand. And without gamification, let's be honest, the future is pretty bleak for conferences that still rely on monotone lectures and contextual PowerPoint slides to fuel their presentations. Attendees who pay big bucks for a conference do so for the experience. This means they want access to things they can read or achieve on their own. In the end, it is all about interactivity, and I'm going to mention just a few ideas here, especially for anyone planning a virtual conference or meeting in the near future. Crowd polling, posting and sharing photos and content, table teams, scavenger hunts, graffiti boards, virtual happy hours, rapid fire learning are just some great ideas you can implement in your conference to ensure you are meeting your guests' expectations. A big part of building an interactive conference is to understand what your guests expect to get out of the event. It doesn't hurt to add a question or comment box to your registration form to gauge attendees' expectations in advance. You might have to scramble to implement a new feature, but if it feels a need, then it is sure to pay off in the long run. In our comprehensive event guide that you can also download for free from our website, I go in much detail into the top virtual event platforms that offer gamification as an option. Another option is using a mobile app into which you can have the game mechanics incorporate into the event and use these elements to meet your event objectives or influence attendee behavior and it creates a fine environment and it keeps attendees engaged from the first day to the last. There's quite interesting science behind event gamification, and if you'd like to learn more and what makes gamification successful, there are a lot of tools online to do so. 
Okay, moving on to our virtual event details. Next on the list is sponsor promotion and signage content that you might want to share with your virtual event producer to be included in the live stream, either as a video content, lower thirds or overlays, landing page logos, and so on. This should not be a wasted opportunity, especially when the tools are there to promote your supporters and main sponsors, so take good advantage of it. You'll also want to share any locations you'd like the video feed to be streamed to besides the ones that have already been mentioned. Typically, we stream to a main live streaming destination such as Vimeo, as mentioned earlier. Then we also stream a backup stream to one of our event websites and then anywhere else you'd like to stream to such as social media channels. For people at home, having options to tune into is mandatory, especially with so many types of devices and smart TVs available. A few other things to consider when thinking to transition to a virtual event is how will registration for your event be handled and will the live stream be open share or by invite only, generally password protected. There's pros and cons for having an open share versus invite-only livecast, and it mostly depends on the type of event you're planning, your audience, and your content. Many fundraisers choose to keep the live stream open share in hopes of reaching a wider audience, an audience that could become an in-person audience once we start gathering again. Other events are more concerned about their members and community that is tight-knit and would rather keep the live stream invite-only. In both cases, pre-registration is encouraged. If anything, for your event data points, there are to be captured during the event, such as number of RSVPs, number of attendees, participation, interaction, ROI, and ease of donating purposes. I think one of the other questions many event organizers are asking themselves is if they should charge for their virtual event. For fundraising events, the answer is typically no, because you want to give everyone a fair chance to donate towards your cause as high or as low as they possibly can without any additional expense. For a conference or a meeting, that varies greatly depending on the event theme, where you live, where you're hosting, and what level of event it is. Knowing and understanding your audience is key here. So send out surveys or start a discussion forum on social media prior to your event to acquire answers from your audience. It doesn't matter how you do it as long as you get the information one way or another. Before we come to an end here, and I know this has been a lot of information, I would like to touch briefly on some of the essential roles for virtual events. Your virtual event and production team is going to be much smaller than your in-person fundraising team. Physical distancing and stay-at-home orders, as well as live streaming platforms and available internet bandwidth, requires a lean and flexible team. So here's a guide to essential roles during virtual events. You will need a tech event director or a show caller, and this is for in-studio, 100% virtual or hybrid events. This person is responsible for monitoring the script, calling the show, and providing cues to the host and to the live stream technical engineer regarding all on-screen visuals, speakers' incoming streams, integration of all the other content, and scheduling and performing all pre-event runs and checks. The next person is live stream technical engineer, which again, it would be for a in-studio, a 100% virtual, or a hybrid event. 
This person is responsible for broadcasting all content to desired platforms and managing all transitions between all incoming video feeds and effects. The audio engineer for both in-studio 100% virtual and hybrid event is responsible for managing the sound quality of the entire live streaming program and could possibly and hopefully is in a separate room just for quality of control and also being able to be separate from the in-studio sound and have a better handle on the levels on quality of the overall streaming sound. You'd also want to have an audience engagement manager, which is responsible for building audience engagement and excitement and celebrate donors and thanking sponsors. The real-time virtual event IT manager would be the person responsible to help troubleshoot any issues during the event. And normally we would have a phone number that anybody can call or an email or a chat function for people to be able to get in touch with the virtual event IT manager. The donor support is another important essential remote role that monitors the fundraising platform and responds to donor questions via phone, chat, and text. Then in studio or for a hybrid event, you would also have videographers and camera technicians who would be responsible for managing multiple cameras to use during the live production, one of them being positioned for a wider master shot and the others for close-ups or side cameras. I mean, this role is not needed for a 100% virtual event, but it's definitely needed for a in-studio live cast. Live streaming an event today is more doable than ever in the information age. Take advantage of this technological breakthrough to raise funds, build your audience, or make your brand a household name. While we know that we will gather in person again someday, we get to use this time as an opportunity to serve our clients and their online audience. Virtual events are here to stay in some hybrid capacity, and we hope all these tools we've been sharing with you for the past few months will continue to serve you well in the future. We are constantly listening to the needs of the event community and changing and expanding our solutions to meet and exceed those needs. At this time, in some uncertain times, know that we do have the ability, proven by an amazing track record of successful in-person and now virtual events, to plan, produce, and execute a definite plan for your future events and continue engaging your audience, whether virtual or in-person. Our virtual event management services include project management for transitioning from a live event to a virtual event, providing you with a timeline with key deadlines and deliverables, act as project manager to ensure efficient workflow and communication between all stakeholders, facilitate rehearsals for your presenters and a run-through with our AV partner, virtually staying in touch with our AV partner during the live stream to oversee the entire virtual event production and virtual event production, which means work closely with your event's key staff and auctioneer to create a program flow, share templates, or help with creating the run of show and tax script documents that our AV partner will understand and follow. Coordinate all collection of necessary content and media for live streaming. Provide design direction to ensure all graphics and visuals are optimized for a virtual event format. PowerPoint picture-in-picture in in studio style with live camera shots placed on top of the PowerPoint slides. Switching between full-screen presenter shots to PowerPoint picture-in-picture when necessary. Or for PowerPoint picture-in-picture through Zoom calling with a virtual MC and virtual benefit auctioneer who will host your 100% virtual event, guiding the audience through several giving levels, video content, 
PowerPoint slides, all the while appearing picture-in-picture, picture, frequently referencing and displaying the fundraising thermometer so the audience can help your organization hit their goal. We also offer consultation and guidance on best practices for social media engagement and marketing, best practices for sharing and highlighting your fundraising online, ways to keep your online audience engaged, tips for creating social media engagement opportunities for your audience, recommendations for pre and post event communication related to registration, bidding, and viewing of the live stream event. Let us take the burden off while you refocus your efforts on your core mission activities. Contact us to schedule a free consultation to learn more about our event production offerings and see if we could be a great fit for you and your future event. Okay, friends, this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening so far. Leave us a comment if you found any of these tips helpful and we would love to hear what else you're doing and how are we able to help you during these unprecedented times. You can leave us your feedback via email at podcast at trifanevents.com or via our Instagram account messaging us directly at trifan underscore event. Stay safe and healthy until next time.